Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. So this is the game Resistance 101, which you can get through the app stores. And we're going to be trained in how to tackle resistance in mosquitoes. Resistance 101 is a simple arcade-style video game that aims to teach users the fundamental concepts of insecticide resistance. We take the player through a whole journey and it's really interesting because you need to start with the fundamentals and then you can work your way up because it gets really complex. So through these games we, we're trying to visually first of all use these type of videos that's also available on YouTube for people to physically see how resistance work within the mosquito and you know how the different mechanisms um, through using different types of classes of insecticides work. The game was developed by a group of researchers at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. The idea is simple. You have malaria-carrying mosquitoes buzzing around your screen and you need to choose which insecticide would be the most effective to kill them. The, the whole aim is to destroy your vector population that flies over the screen. Marlies Coleman works at the Innovative Vector Control Consortium at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. Her career has always been in public health, trying to combat a disease that affects people in her home country of South Africa day to day. Malaria. Since childhood, I just wanted to help people. And I just thought, you know, public health, first of all, is where you can help masses. And malaria control is something that I was really interested in. So, yeah, I, I guess I was at the right place at the right time. And, and I just got into, into the malaria control program and I absolutely loved it. This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. I'm Lucy Lamble. In this case, some mosquitoes have KDR and some have upregulated ESTS. So choose the best tool to kill them all. I have to say you've lost me already, but I'm looking <laughs> forward to killing them. <laughs> okay, let's see. I met Marlies in a town called Abwasi in Ghana a country which has the world's fifth worst malaria burden. What type of resistance Developing video games is not the only thing that Marlies has done in her long career as a public health expert, focusing on malaria. Despite coming from Johannesburg, a city that's less affected by malaria than some parts of the country, it was a stint in a rural area that ignited her passion for defeating the disease. I worked in a community um, in Pumalanga in, in the northeast, which borders Mozambique and Swaziland. I don't even think you can call it a village, it's too small, um, called Hector Sprite. And I lived there in a three by three metre hut 
from a Monday afternoon until a Thursday, um, which was incredibly fun because you get to interact with the communities in the area and the malaria areas and you get to know people really well and um, people start to respect you for what you do which is great. The work in the village was physically challenging. We had to do everything in the program um, to be able to understand what it involves. So for example with the indoor residual spraying also known as IRS uh, we went through all the training, which is which is a, a week long, and then we had to carry the pump for a whole week, 10 litres on the back, and with all the personal protection measures or, or equipment on, and we had to spray. And, and I can tell you now, it's, it's really hard work. You know, it's really hot. You're sweating. I mean, I was in tears many times. Um, I had blood blisters on my shoulders, potentially from carrying the pump wrong, but yes, you know, so... And, and yeah, I mean, the spray operators just... just constantly you know giggled around me because they they knew that I was suffering and and it had to be done because you know after that I understood you know what these these operators go through and how hard this this job is especially you know one of my functions was to to be part of the team that trained these operators on an annual basis and also monitoring um, their performance so you know you have some sympathy for for the fact that these people really do a very very important job but it's hard work. Take us back to basics for a second. Why were you spraying? So we do indoor residual spraying to reduce the contact between infective mosquitoes and people. That's the main thing. So it's about controlling the vector populations. It's not a personal protection measure. So it's not to say that if you live in a in a room or a house that's been sprayed with iris, that you are 100% protected from getting malaria. So the whole idea of iris is to get the vector population down so that we, we can impact on transmission of malaria. On top of the exhausting physical act of spraying insecticides, Marlies explains just how important it is to engage the communities they were working in. You know, we would also, when, when we're in the communities, we would you know, get, the, get the kids together and talk about malaria a little bit and play a bit of footy. And, and then we would um, show them how to cover these, these breeding sites because they're temporary, they're small little breeding sites, even just hoof prints where the cattle comes back from, from the, the dams, you know, just kick, kick the, these hoof prints with, with water, you know, and just close them up so that they're not potential breeding sites for, for the mosquitoes. So it's small little things, and obviously also personal protection measures. You know, when you're outside um, between dusk and dawn, you know, cover up. So, yes, that, that's primarily what we tried to educate the communities on is, is personal protection and environmental management around their houses as well. After that first trip, Marlies travelled to several places around the world in her quest to help fight malaria. I joined the Mpumalanga Department of Health in 1992. Then I moved from the ministry in 2006 to um, give a little bit of attention to my my PhD. So I wrote up my PhD for a while. And then I joined an organisation called AVRI, the African Vision um, Research Institute. And I just helped them out for a year to try and get the research capacity of eye care in Africa um, established. And after that, I moved to Colorado State University, once again, to work on malaria, but this time to take all my experiences that I've had working in a programme and taking those experiences and building upon that um, through a grant that we got from the IBCC funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to establish um, monitoring and evaluation systems that's more accessible for the rest of Africa. And then after the development of the tools, I moved to the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine 
which leaps us forward to where we're speaking now in Ghana, with the backdrop of, of rain beginning to fall in the evening here. Um, but we're in an area which has been very badly affected by malaria. So what's the connection between the Liverpool School and us being here in Ghana right now? So when I, when I worked for the Liverpool School of, of Tropical Medicine, I dabbled a little bit in, in malaria again and developed all these nice, serious games to try and build capacity um, for insecticide resistance management in Africa to get people just up to speed with you know what it is, what is the fundamentals, and give them a platform to learn but also engage and interact with, with things. From there onwards, I moved to the Innovator Vector Control Consortium and I stepped into, into a project called Engineers. And the reason I'm here today in Ghana, <laughs> in Ubuasi, is the whole reason that, you know, we, we are introducing this um, second, third generation insecticide as part of a insecticide resistance management strategy for Ghana. After the break, we'll hear about the challenges that countries like Ghana face when trying to eliminate malaria and how the private sector could have a particularly strong hand to play in this fight. We need to look at access. So, you know, how do we get these insecticides which are are relatively expensive and and not many of these African countries can afford them and the implementation organisations also have a a, a finite budget. So it's not sort of, you know, you put an insecticide out there and it's it's something that everybody's going to buy. So it's really, really important that we have these catalytic um, funding um, initiatives. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, Jordan Erica Weber here, host of The Guardian's digital culture podcast, Chips With Everything. At the start of the 20th century, we were worried about bombs dropping from the sky. In the 50s, it was nuclear weapons. Now, according to the National Security Agency, our biggest concern is cyber. When we initially developed the World Wide Web, it was just a way of communicating back and forth. Then people started using it for espionage. And over time, as they did with the airplane, they began to arm it. This week, we talked to journalist and author David Sanger, who recently published a book called The Perfect Weapon, War, Sabotage and Fear in the Cyber Age. To have a listen, head over to theguardian.com slash podcasts or search chips with everything on your favourite podcast app.
welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. Before the break, we heard from Dr Marlies Coleman, an expert in malaria control, who's worked in several countries to try and find preventative measures to stop the spread of the disease. So, and there's no other choices. There's resistance to every single other class of insecticide. As Marlies explains, the problems that many African countries like Ghana face is that creating one type of insecticide to kill mosquitoes just isn't enough anymore. So mosquitoes just get, you know, they want to survive. So they get used to the insecticides and the small, you know, they've got this amazing ability to adapt. So what we're trying to do with rotation is the fact that we don't want them to build up this selection pressure. So we don't want to keep on using the same insecticide time and time again. As a measure, we are trying to motivate countries to rotate insecticides and rotate different classes of insecticides. Marlies and her colleagues have teamed up with Unitaid, who have set up a co-payment subsidy system that makes it more enticing for insecticide manufacturers to develop products for countries that need them most but often have limited funds. There's definitely been a huge boost, um, especially from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to assist um, you know, these agricultural companies to, to basically develop these insecticides. And then when they are developed, we need to look at access. So, you know, how do we get these insecticides which are are relatively expensive and and not many of these African countries can afford them and the implementation organisations also have a a, a finite budget so it's not sort of you know you put an insecticide out there and it's it's something that everybody's going to buy so it's really really important that we have these catalytic um, funding um, initiatives where you know it just makes um, the market more sustainable on the longer term. So it's a whole raft of things that, that comes into play to get the prices down so that they become more affordable and then it's a win-win for everybody. In the town of Abwasi, residents suffer greatly from the spread of malaria. But something quite interesting happened more than a decade ago when the local mining company teamed up with the government to tackle malaria. In 2006, the Anglo-Gold Ashanti um, mining company decided that they would like to look into an intervention to, to basically try and, and get their productivity up. You know, it's a, it's a mining environment, um, they've got loads of workers, and there was huge problems with absenteeism um, because of malaria. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to start their own malaria um, control program so I assisted the mining company to set up a, a monitoring system for IRIS. And um, that started off 2006 and carried on for quite a while. But it was so successful that it made real ripples in, in the malaria community because he has this private company who's spending quite a bit of money to try and you know, do something really related to their business. But it had such a big public health impact and it it really impacted on the lives of their workers that you know people saw this as a model. One example of a country that's done really well in its quest to eliminate malaria is Sri Lanka. However its bigger neighbour India still struggles to get the problem under control. I was curious to know why it's more difficult for some countries to deal with the issue of malaria over others. Every single place is different. Every single vector is different. Every control program is different. All the tools are different. You know, the resources, the commitment, you know. So there's just so much involved with 
you know, trying to combat a disease that you can't compare one country, even even within a country, you would get different scenarios and different um, success stories. And it's just about, you know, making sure that whatever a country does is evidence-based. And I think that's where Sri Lanka is just is just a, a really amazing example of doing the right thing at the right time using the right tools. So if any of our listeners are thinking of doing what you do and getting into the malaria defeating game, what advice would you give them? First of all, you you need to understand yourself and you need to know that you're somebody who would like to make a difference because when you work in a malaria control program or in the malaria environment, you know, it's extremely satisfying because on a day-to-day basis you can really really make a difference and it doesn't matter if you the person that's in the lab identifying the vector species or if you're the person who's doing the resistance testing or if you're the malaria program manager or you the surveillance person, you know, there's so many facets to malaria control that, you know, if you're a person who wants to make a difference and you're passionate about helping people, you know, there's a little slot for you. There's so much out there in disease control itself, and especially malaria control, where, you, where people can slot in. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what your passion is or, or what you're good at. You will be good at something in, in a malaria control program, and that's the beauty of working in a, in a program. You can just find your space, and you can, you can find out what you're good at, and you can work at that and, and just live yourself out and, and really feel satisfied every, every night you're getting to bed. If you liked this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a line at podcasts at theguardian.com. You can also join the conversation on Twitter. We're at Guardian Podcasts. Small Changes is produced by Danielle Stevens. I'm Lucy Lamble. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian... Just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 